Welcome to our FLC audio broadcast. We believe today's word will empower you to lead a strong life. Now, let's begin and get ready for this week's inspiring message. Well, welcome. Welcome to our house today. Awesome to have you in our house. How many of you love your house? Man, we love, we love being with you here today. On Dedication Sunday, we, we are just, what a journey we have been on for the last five years. Right, church? Yeah. And look at where God has brought us to. I'm so excited that you're here with us to celebrate as we keep talking about our house. Uh, before we get into the word this morning, <clears throat> I want to take a second just to recognize some very special guests that have joined us for this, this awesome service. I'd like to begin with some very, very good friends of ours, uh, very influential people in our community, and just some of the most passionate loving, caring people that you'll ever sit across from, and that is Nick and Lois Fisher that are right here with us on the front. Nick, could you guys stand up for us real quick? When we first moved back to Marion and uh, we're starting to get involved and engaged in the community, I had the opportunity to uh, sit with Lois and talk for a little bit. And I have to tell you, it's one of the most inspirational stories that you'll ever hear. She is passionate. She and her husband are passionate about our community and to have poured so much of their lives into trying to make, do everything they can to make Marion great. And so we're grateful for everything that you've done and continue to do. It's a really big deal. Yeah. So, so thank you. And thank you for being here today. If you ever see a great big uh, front loader or trencher or excavator or whatever else, that's probably Mr. Nick driving that thing around downtown, fixing something, building something, repairing something. It's awesome. So thank you for being here today. I also want to thank our very distinguished guest today, our very own Mayor Scott Scherzer that's with us here today. Mr. Mayor, it is an absolute thrill to have you with us today. Uh, I love the relationship that we've had the chance to build. Uh, really excited about the future of our community. And I want you to know, and I, and I want our, our church to express this to you as well. We are dedicated to doing everything we can do to make Marion great, to support the administration and our officials and our police and every, everything that we can do to make Marion the place that we believe and know it can be. We're dedicated to that, right, church? And so I want to say thank you for everything that your family puts into this community. It's a big deal. And we understand uh, that there's a lot of pressure that comes with being the leader in a community. And so our prayers are constantly for you and with you. And we're excited about what God is doing in Marion, Ohio. Aren't we guys? We are excited. We see hope rising in so many different ways. And uh, so we're looking forward to more and more of that. And so I want to get right into the message today. If I could, I want to continue the series that we started last week called Our House. We talked last week about this body that we live in and this life that we have to live, this short span of time that we have here on earth. And we talked about the fact that this body and this life is God's house, that we are the house, the home of the Holy Spirit. 
and that if anything is going to get done in our reality, we're going to have to do it. And God's going to have to work through us. And so if we're wanting to see uh, things change in our homes, in our families, our marriages, in our schools, with our children, in our community, it begins with us because we are the home of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit doesn't live in a building. The Holy Spirit doesn't live at 2209 Marion Waldo Road. He lives in every one of us. So no matter where we go, we carry the Holy Spirit with us. We carry the hope of Christ with us. And so God, this is our house. This is God's house. And so today I want to talk about the house of God, this building, and where we gather together as believers and worship and grow and build relationship. In Psalm chapter 27 and verse 4, David says this, and I love what he says here. I want you to hear the passion of David as he talks here in Psalm 27 and 4. He says this, one thing, everybody say one thing. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. Already we understand David is saying, I've got one thing on my mind and I'm going after it. Anybody ever been determined before? Anybody ever been dedicated to a cause? Dedicated to a purpose. When you're dedicated to a cause and a purpose, it's the only thing you can think about. It's the thing you get on your mind and you get determined about it. And you would be like David who's saying in this moment, look, there's one thing that I desire from God. Now, probably there were other things that David desired at different times in his life. But in this moment, he was saying, I've got one thing on my mind and I'm going after it. And this is what he said. Watch what he said. He said, this one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You know, growing up for me, uh, growing up with Dr. Tony, my mom, uh, I, I never really knew if mom was going to be home when I got home from school or not, because <clears throat> I knew that if she wasn't home, she was at church. She spent so much time at the church that church was like a second home for us. And if I came home from school and mom wasn't home, I pretty much knew she was probably doing something at the church. And she has said many times over her life, I love going to the house of God. I love going to church. You know, David shows us here a passion for the house of God, but that is more than a passion for bricks and mortar. It's more than a passion for steel and concrete. It's a passion for the things of God. It's a passion to be where God is. And I wonder today if there's anybody in here that would say, I just want to be where God is. Anybody feels that way today? I just want to be where God is. And so we see David saying here, I just want to be around the Lord. I just want to be in his house, in his, his area, wherever he is, I want to be. But the reality is, is that today there's a well-documented kind of exodus going on in the local church. This next generation, our generation, is exiting the church in massive numbers. And there, there are studies that talk about this. There are experts that look into this, and they've written books about it. And there's this kind of move away from the house of God. And, and more and more, this next generation is kind of abandoning the idea of the institution of church. And what we often don't realize is that in the day and time that we live in, God, through his word, shows us to do exactly the opposite. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But as, as many are leaving the local church and exiting the idea of church, God in his word encourages us in the times that we live in to do exactly the opposite. In fact, we realize today that the coming of Christ is closer than ever before. We believe that one day Jesus is going to return and is going to take his church with him. 
Whether we live to see that day or not, we know we're going to spend eternity with God. But one day the Bible says that Jesus is coming again. And the Bible also says that as, he, as the day gets closer and closer, there are certain things that we should do. And we know that day is getting closer. And, and few people would argue that our world today, this nation, our society, and the world at large is becoming an increasingly darker place. The minds and the imaginations of people seem to be getting darker. I don't know if you've been to movies lately or watched television shows, but darkness seems to dominate a lot of our media and a lot of our culture today, and things are becoming much more graphic, and we're going to much darker places in our minds, and I think very few people would argue that that is the case. But here's the reality, is that this darkness does not come from darkness, You see, darkness in and of itself cannot exist. Darkness never overcomes light. Darkness is the absence of light. That's why you don't have a dark switch on your wall. You have a light switch. Darkness only exists where there is no light. So we wonder why our schools are getting darker Well, our our schools aren't becoming a darker place because darkness is growing and overcoming light. They're becoming a darker place because light has been asked to exit the schools. Why are families becoming increasingly darker and marriages harder to hold together? Why? Not because darkness is somehow growing in power, but because light has been asked to exit the relationship. See, whenever light exits, darkness comes. Darkness is the absence of light. And so what do we expect the result to be when we ask God to exit a reality? Greater light? No. The result will be greater darkness. In Psalm chapter 51 and verse 16, God begins to show us how we can turn this thing around. He says this, David says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. You know, and and the reality is for a lot of us, just coming to the house of God is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of our time, a sacrifice of our effort, especially if you're parents. You have any parents in here that make a sacrifice every week to come to church? What's that sacrifice look like? I said, get out of bed, right? It's like you're coming to church to worship and your house is in chaos, right? Because your kids aren't listening. Get dressed. No, you're not wearing green with red and blue and pink. I laid your clothes out for you, but I don't want to wear them. I don't care what you want to wear. Put your clothes on. We're going to church. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's out there. Yep. Just this morning, right? And you're on your way. You're driving in the car. And you're, you know, if you're, if you're dad, you're out in the car first, most likely honking at everybody. Come on, let's go. And mom's in there. Yeah, I'll, tell you, I'll give you let's go until I get out in the car. What's going on? Oh, we're going to church. It's a sacrifice, isn't it? But David talks about here in 51.16, he says, God, you don't just desire a sacrifice from me, but I want you to watch what he shows God does want from us. Not just a sacrifice, not just a great effort, church. And I want you to hear the hope from Marion, Ohio, in this scripture in verse 17, where it says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. 
What our community needs is our effort, is our work, is the help that we can give it, but more than ever, church, what Marion, Ohio needs is for us to come with a heart of humility, broken and repentant before God, and say, God, use me. Use me. Show me how I can help. Show me how I can be a light in this darkness. I love what David shows us is that we can make sacrifices all day long, but what God wants is for our heart to be all in to what he wants done. In Exodus chapter 3, we see this again with God's people. Here they are captive in Israel for 400 years, captive in Israel, slaves in Israel for 400 years. You got to think that in 400 years, somebody lobbed up a prayer. Somebody said, God, get us out of here, right? Somebody had to pray. But for 400 years, they were still in captivity. But then something amazing happened. I love it. We see it in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 9. God is now talking to Moses. And he says to Moses, he says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians have abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. What happened? The cry. The cry of God's people reached God's ears and it motivated God to bring salvation and deliverance to his people. Now, I know a lot of times we sit around the table and we cry about our situations. We cry about what others have done. We cry about what others have said. We cry about decisions that have been made in our community. But when's the last time we collectively cried out to God and said, God, we need you. We need your salvation. God, deliver us from this thing. See, it takes a broken and a humble heart to cry out to God. But we know that when we cry out to God with that kind of passion, he'll bring an answer. And I have to believe that what we're seeing right now in this rise of hope in our area, in this church, in our lives and families, in our community is the result of God's people saying, Lord, we need you. We've got to have you. We can't do this on our own. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. We need your courage. We need your strength. We need your insight. But we will go. We'll be the light. And when we cry out to God, we see that the darkness is pushed back. So here's what I want us to know. The reality is, is that the darkness that we're experiencing in our world today is not a rise of darkness. It's not because darkness has increased, but it's because light has decreased. Uh, <clears throat> hey, Jeremy. Yes, sir. Um, I need some light. So could you go ahead and just uh, turn down the darkness switch? So you want me to turn yeah, down the darkness? Turn the darkness down, yeah. Could you no. do that? No, I can't. No. You, you can't? Why, why not? I've, I've never heard of that. You can't turn down the darkness. Why can't, why can't you turn down the darkness? I mean, just... I, I don't have a darkness turn-down knob. Well, yeah, just, just go to the darkness channel. No. The, cha the channel on the board there, it's the darkness. It has a little spader. And just turn the darkness down. You've never been to this board. You don't know there's a button that says darkness. Well, then what... I mean, if we need... I've never So I've what never are we supposed to do? What, what should we do? What? Oh, turn the light up. So that you don't I have a do. darkness switch back there? Nope. All right. Well, hit the light switch and turn the lights back up for me. Okay. There we go. That's much better. See, guys, here's the reality. There's not a darkness switch. Darkness can't overcome light. Light always overcomes darkness. We don't turn the darkness down. We turn the light up. 
And when you turn the light up, it turns the darkness down. Are you seeing this today? I love what uh, John 1, 1 says this. And I want you to watch these words as we walk through. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says that in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Now watch John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish the light. Isn't that good? The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish the light. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell, the, tell about the light so that everyone might live and believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and they even rejected him. But to all who believed, I wonder if there are any believers in here today. Are there any believers in here? All who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Guys, we've been given the right to be the light. Say it with me. I have the right to be the light. See, God has come, and through Jesus, he's brought light into this world, and the Bible teaches us the light shines in the darkness, cannot be extinguished by the darkness, and we are that light. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says this, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light to shine where? In our hearts. He's made this light to shine in our hearts. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 says, that you are the light of the world. We're the light of the world. Jesus came into the world with his light, and because of what Christ did for us, when we believe and we accept him, he takes that light and he puts it in our heart. And when he puts it in our heart, we become the light of the world. Why? Because the light of Christ's love is shining out from us into all the world because God sent his light into the world. We've accepted and believed that light. Now that light lives in us and shines out from us. Now I want to go back and read 1 John or John chapter 1 verse 5. Are you ready? Now remember, the light is shining in us and the word says the light shines where? In the darkness. In the darkness. We are to shine in the darkness. When we see dark times in our families, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to shine. We don't let our words get dark. We don't let our attitude get dark. We don't let our heart get dark. We let the light of Jesus Christ shine out of us in those moments, and we shine in the darkness. What do we do when there's darkness in the workplace? We shine. We don't get entangled in the bitterness. We don't get entangled in the strife and the gossip. No, we let the light of the love of Christ shine in our hearts, and we are a light in that darkness. What do we do when there's darkness in our community? We don't sit around the table and complain about what's being done. We don't worry. We don't get all anxious. No, what do we do? We let the light shine in the darkness. Why? Because the love of Christ is in our heart. We're the light of the world, and we are to shine in the dark places. I believe that one of the reasons that our families are in turmoil, that our community is in disarray, is not because darkness is growing, but because the light has decreased. 
the light has diminished, church. But if we'll rise up and take the hope of Christ that he's given us through his death on the cross and say, let me be a light for you, I believe we can begin to see hope rise in our area like never before. But we've got to be the light. We've got to be the ones who'll say, I'll be a broken vessel for you. I'll be humble before you use me to be a light. I love the second part of John 1, 5. Not only are we called to be light in the darkness, but are you ready for this? God himself said, the darkness can never extinguish it. Guys, when we allow Jesus to use us, we can't be defeated. When we get our minds together and we cry out to God for our community, there's no way anything can stop us from having victory and seeing things turn around. One of the reasons that I know that Marion is going to make a comeback and is already is because I'm praying for Marion, Ohio. You're praying for Marion, Ohio. And not just praying, but working. Because our leaders are leading through wisdom. Because our business people are planting and sowing and working. And we're believing and letting the light shine. Darkness can't win. It can't win. Why? Why? Because Jesus has made us the light of the world. Are you with me today, church? This is the hope. This is the hope. So we support and we pray and we work and we persevere. Why? Because God's called us to shine in the darkness. Now, in this environment, it's in this environment where we look around our world and we say darkness seems to be rising, but now we realize that darkness is not rising, that light is diminishing. We see this, that God gives us instruction about what we should do in these times where it seems to be getting worse and worse, and we know that Jesus, his return is getting nearer and nearer, God gives us some instruction in his word about what we should do. There are three things I want to point out to you right now out of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Three things we must do, church, in these times. Number one, in verse 23, it says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope. Hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Listen, when you're sitting around the table at Panera Bread and somebody's wanting to complain about our reality and they're saying it's hopeless, you look at them right in the eye and say, no, hope is rising. Why? Because I'm holding tight to the hope and I'm not going to waver. I am not giving up. Hope is rising because God is faithful. When somebody looks in on your situation and says, there's no way there's hope for you. It's not going to work out for you. You look them in the eye and you say, no, hope is rising. Why? Because I'm holding tightly to my hope. I'm not going to waver on this. You can't take it away from me. I'm not giving it up. It is mine and God is faithful. He's faithful and we're going to see success. So we've got to hold tightly without wavering. Sometimes we hold our hope too loosely. We're too easily talked out of it. We're too easily discouraged when we should be encouragers. No, God has called us to be light. Light brings hope. And so we should hold tightly to that hope. The second thing we should do in verse 24, it says this, let us, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That same energy that you're using to think of ways to get back at somebody, use it to think of ways to motivate somebody to love and good works. And isn't it true that there are some people who need to be motivated to love and good works? Need a little, need a little motivation. They're like, need a little motivation in their life, right? My son needs motivation to get up for school on Monday mornings. It's time to get up, buddy. 
Five minutes later, it's time to get up, buddy. Get out of bed. <laughs> Ten, nine, eight, seven. And what do they know? When you hit zero, you better be out of bed. Why? That's motivation. That's all it is, just motivating to love and good works. The Bible says we should be doing that. We shouldn't be spurring on controversy. We shouldn't be piling on complaining. We should be spurring on to love and good works and motivating people to get involved and engage in a way that is positive and has a good, successful end result. And finally, in verse 25, says this, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What does he say here in verse 25? He says, let us not neglect our meeting together. The last thing that we should do in these times is make church optional. We shouldn't be looking for a way to get out of going to church in these times of our lives. We should be looking for a way to get in the church even more. Why? Because there are things that are important about getting together as believers, things that we find in the house of God. And when we get dedicated to the house of God, we can expect that these things are going to be more prevalent in our lives. I want to show you three of them very quickly. The first thing that we find in the house of God is that there is relationship in the house of God. How many of you would say that just since you started coming to Family Life Church, you've met somebody new? Just raise your hand up if you've met someone new since you started coming to church. So look around. Keep your hands up real quick. Just look around. Look around. Look at all these new relationships that are being formed right now. How many of you met somebody new today? Anybody meet somebody new today? Happens every week. There's relationship in the house of God. Did you know that God designed us for relationship? We're not designed to be hermits. We're not designed to be isolated. We're designed to be in relationship. How do I know this? Well, because God created Adam and he said, this dude needs some help. God, the Bible says God created man, and he said, it's not a good idea for him to be alone. <laughs> Guys, you want to overcome some of those things you're having a hard time overcoming? Stop spending so much time alone. Get somebody to hang out with you. Build a relationship with somebody you can be accountable to. Build a good friendship. If he's even got to be the man, boom, double pump. Hoo, hoo. Hey, I love you, brother. If that's the way it's got to be. That's cool. But build relationship. God's designed us. For relationship, and the, some of the best relationships you'll ever build are going to be built in the house of God. The second thing is that the house of God, there's revelation in the house of God. Revelation. What does that mean, revelation? The word revelation just means to reveal. How many of you over the past several months have had anything about your life revealed that you know you need to work on a change? Anybody? As a result of hearing the word of God, you've, something's been revealed to you, man, I got to work on that part. You know, you're sitting in church and you're just smiling and nodding, right? Nobody knows. Like, yeah, yeah, got to work on that right there. <laughs> revelation. There's revelation for us in the house of God. Some of my greatest moments of inspiration have come in the middle of giving a sermon or, or speaking or teaching. Some of my greatest revelations have come from just sitting with friends in the house of God. Some of the greatest, greatest moments of hope have risen out of worshiping together with the body of believers, with the church family. There's revelation in the house of God for your life. And then lastly, number three, there is renewal in the house of God. There's renewal. There's relationship, there's revelation, and there's renewal in the house of God. Why? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 teaches us this, that, 
This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Anybody excited about your new life? A little bit better than the old life? If you've, if you've experienced, if you've experienced as a result of being connected to the house of God, if you've experienced new life, let me just hear you shout out new life. life. What does that tell you, church? What it shows you is that through relationship and through revelation, through being dedicated to the house of God, being dedicated to our house, we can find renewal in our lives, new hope, new vision, new purpose, and a new future. Why? Because God brings renewal in his house. I want to end today by telling you a story out of 1 Samuel chapter 1, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we begin to read about a woman named Hannah. Hannah was barren. She couldn't have children. And it was a great shame upon her life that she couldn't have kids, and she wanted children very badly, especially to have a son. And so for years, Hannah would cry about not being able to have children. And and every year, she and her family would go, and they would make sacrifices at the temple, and they would worship God there. And she would meet with the priests, and their family would go and spend time in church together. And increasingly, as she went, and the years went by that she didn't have children, there was only a certain kind of sacrifice that Hannah could take to the temple, and it set her apart from the women that had children. You see, if you had kids, you not only took a sacrifice for yourself, but you also took one for your family. Hannah couldn't do that. She was alone. She didn't have children, so she only had to take just her sacrifice. And so when she would go and present her sacrifice, she literally, the Bible teaches us, was mocked, laughed at, made fun of, because she didn't have kids. Well, it got to the point where it became a very uh, huge burden in Hannah's life. And she desperately wanted children. And so one trip to the temple, in particular on this day, she was being mocked more than ever before, and it finally just got to her. Anybody ever reach your breaking point? You just had enough of what people are saying about you? Had enough of what they're whispering behind your back? You're just done with all the comments? Anybody ever been there before? And you're like, that's it. It's over. This is changing right now. Well, Hannah didn't get mad at people. She didn't try to take revenge on a friend. She got serious with God. And the Bible says she went to the temple and there in the house of God, right outside the house of God, she sat down on the step. Now Eli the priest was there as well, sitting outside the temple. The Bible says that she sat down on the temple steps and she began to weep. And she began to say, God, I desire a child. Give me a son. And the Bible says that she cried out to God. Does this sound familiar? Remember our friends in Egypt for 400 years? Some had prayed, but finally when the cry reached God's ear, he sent a deliverer. And so she's here on the front steps. Not the first time she's asked for a child. Not the first time she's wept about not having a son. But she's there on the steps and she cries out to God. And she says, God, if you'll give me a son, if you'll give me a son, I will dedicate him to your work. And we see this in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 11. She says, I will dedicate him to your house. And as a proof of dedication, his hair will not be cut. Eli overhears her prayer. And he says, woman, what's wrong with you? What, what's all the fuss about? She says, please forgive, please forgive my emotion. 
Please forgive how overwhelmed I am. He got to understand what I've been through. He got to understand what I'm dealing with in my life. You don't understand how hard it's been for me. You don't know how many nights I've prayed and believed and cried for an answer to my prayer. You don't know what's going on right now. So please forgive that I would act this way here in front of the temple. And Eli said, and saw her emotion and saw her passion. And the Bible says that Eli, the priest said to her, go your way, your your prayers have been answered. Don't you suppose that was music to Hannah's ears? The Bible teaches us she goes back and becomes pregnant. As she's pregnant, she gives birth to a son and names him Samuel. Named him Samuel for the Lord had delivered on his promise. Samuel grows a little. The family goes back to the temple to offer sacrifice once again. But Hannah stays home. She said, I'm not going until my son is weaned from me because I've dedicated him to the house of God. And if he's still dependent on me, I can't leave him there. But as soon as he's independent from his needs from me, I'm going to leave him in the house of God. You see, family, can I tell you something, parents? There's going to come a time when you need to release your children into the hands of God. Everything that you've done up to that point, you need to cry over your children. You need to pray for the future of your children. You need to believe God to help them because the day is coming when you're going to have to say you're on your own. But everything you've done to that point will have prepared them for God's call in their life. So Hannah finally weans Samuel and takes him to the temple. And she meets Eli there in the temple. She's holding Samuel in her hands. And she says, do you remember me? Do you remember I was the one who sat on the steps and cried out to God? I want you to look at what God did for me. He kept his promise. He delivered on his word. And now I'm here to keep my promise and make good on my word. I'm giving you my son. So she gives her son Samuel to Eli. And the Bible teaches us that Samuel is under the tutelage of Eli in the house of God. Samuel grows up in the house of God and becomes a little older young man. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1 this word, that meanwhile the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days we understand from 1 Samuel chapter 3, God wasn't speaking to a lot of people, that the voice of the Lord was rarely heard. The voice of the prophetic had, tended, had gone silent. And this was a big deal because everybody made decisions on what God was going to do. There are some who could argue that today in our world, many people have stopped listening to the voice of God, that God doesn't speak like he used to. But I'm going to show you right now why that might be true and what we can do to have an ear for what God is saying to us. Samuel is lying down in the temple. The Bible says that Samuel was laying near the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and the altar of God. Eli was on the other side of the temple. It was nighttime. Eli had already gone to bed. Samuel was laying down sleeping. Now remember, not many, nobody had been hearing from the voice of God. And there in those hours, while Samuel was laying by the altar of God, God spoke to Samuel. Samuel. Samuel hears this voice calling his name, and he sits up. Somebody call me. Who was it? 
And not knowing what the voice of God sounded like, he gets up and he runs to the other side of the temple. And he goes in where Eli is laying and he says to Eli, Here I am, Eli. You called me. And Eli hears what Samuel says. He says, Son, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. So Samuel goes back to his bed. He's laying there on his bed. And once again, he hears the voice of God say to him, Samuel. And he sits up. Doesn't see anybody around. And so he goes again to Eli's room. And he says to Eli, Here I am, Eli. What do you desire? Eli says, Son, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. Samuel goes back and he lays down again. A third time, the voice of God calls out to Samuel and says, Samuel. Samuel sits up, responds. Again, not seeing anyone around, he runs back to Eli's room and says to Eli, Here I am, Eli. You called me again. Eli finally has a revelation. And he says, Son, I didn't call you. And he remembers, that's right, God speaks to his people. And here this priest who served his whole life in the house of God had a revelation in the house of God that God is now speaking once again. Church, can I tell you something? I believe today we may have gone through a spiritual drought in our community, but God is speaking again to the hearts of believers and he has motivated them to love and good works. And he's saying, I've got a work for you to do in Marion, Ohio. You can't give up on it. There's darkness, but there's light coming and you are the light of the world. So Eli finally remembers and says, son, I didn't call you. Listen, go back. And when you hear the voice again, just simply say, Lord, I'm your servant. Here I am. I hear. So Samuel goes back and he lays down. And what we see in this moment is through the relationship in the house of God between Eli and Samuel is we see an important message here for our generation. We can't allow ourselves to forget what it's like to hear God's voice. Guys, we can't allow ourselves to get so busy with life. Older generation, you, you can't just say it's no longer for, we need to hear you remind us. Guys, listen, your life is busy, but God's speaking to your heart. We need to know what it's like to hear the voice of God. It's one of the reasons we're so dedicated at Family Life Church to the next generation because we realize God speaks to our kids and our teens. He motivates them to do good works. He has a purpose and plan for them. And so we have to teach them to hear God's voice. So Samuel is laying down again. And finally, the voice of the Lord comes one more time and says, Samuel, Samuel, rises up and remembering the words of his mentor Eli says to God speak Lord your servant heareth what would it be like if our children today would wake up from their moments of rest and say speak Lord I'm your servant here am I what would happen to your family what would happen in your home what would happen in our schools if our children would be taught to rise up and hear the voice of God and say here I am use me 
You see, we've been duped in believing, into believing we can't pray in our schools, but it's not true. Our children can pray in school. We can teach them to hear the voice of God, not be afraid of the darkness, but be a light and say, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray over this test. I'm going to pray for my friend. I'm going to pray over my meal. I'm going to invite. I might not be able to bring Jesus into the school, but I can bring him in my heart into this place. Are you with me today, church? You see, we are the light of the world. And just as Samuel was taught to hear God's voice, we can, by being dedicated to the house of God, regrip his purpose and plan for our lives. I believe God has an assignment for Family Life Church. I believe he is, he is uh, speaking that assignment and that vision to the leaders of this church. And I believe that vision is clearer than ever before. It is to be a light in our community. It is to see our homes be filled with the light of God's love once again. It is to teach our children to hear the voice of God and to be dedicated to God's house. Church, this is our house. The Bible teaches us that Samuel would grow up to become a mighty man of God. That he would spend the rest of his life prophesying and speaking into the lives of a nation. That he would see that nation rise to greatness once again. Why? Because he was dedicated to the house of God. He was dedicated to the work of God and taught to hear God's voice. I wonder today how many situations in our own lives, how many circumstances that we find ourselves in today would be remedied by a greater dedication to the house of God. That rather than trying to find a way out of going to church, we'd try to find a way to engage in a greater way in church. What does that mean? We're the church. We're the church. This building's not the church. We're the church. And when we engage with the church, that means we engage with each other. We engage in each other's lives and we pray for one another. Relationships are built. Revelation comes because we see what God wants done in our lives and renewal follows. Our hearts, our hope, our vision, our passion is renewed. Why? Because of being dedicated to the house of God. In just a minute, we're going to proclaim something together on this Dedication Sunday. We're going to renew our dedication to this house, to God's house, his assignment for this church. But before we do that, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If you would just bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to do the plan that you have for us, God. To walk and live in this season of great hope, of rising hope in our community. Lord, I pray for every person that's here today that you would minister revelation to them, that they would in some way see in their lives a way in which they can increase in their dedication to your work and their dedication to your house. And that as a result, we would see the light of your love increase and push the darkness back further and further in our homes, in our neighborhoods, God, in our lives. I pray for my friends, Lord, your protection and peace would be upon them that their relationship from, with you from this point forward would never be the same. Greater than ever. Better than ever. More dedicated than ever. More filled with peace than ever, God. As we journey this out together in Jesus' name.
Listen, while your heads are bowed, maybe you've not made the commitment to Christ. Maybe you've not dedicated your life to following Jesus. I want to tell you today from my own heart, and I know I'll get a witness on this, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Church, can I get a witness on that? Greatest decision you'll ever make. If you say today, Pastor, I want to make that choice. I want to ask Christ into my heart. I want to dedicate my life to him. I want to begin living with the purpose that he has for me. I just wish you would raise up your hand. Just raise your hand up. We're going to pray with you today. Just say, that's me. That's me. It's awesome. I see those hands. More importantly, God sees your heart. It's awesome. You can put your hands down. That's so great. So great. You're saying, that's me today. I'm dedicating myself to God. Maybe you find yourself in a place where your light has diminished. You've allowed life and the cares of life and stress and different things to come in and, and hide the light that God's put in your heart. And you find yourself distancing yourself from the, the plan God has for you. That's okay. Just rededicate yourself. Just get back on track. I want to pray with you today as well. If you say that's me, just lift your hand up and say that's me. I just need to get back on track. That's awesome. It's awesome. God sees your heart. We want to journey with you. We want to help you. We want to put our arms around you. Help you. You can help us. We'll go through this thing together. Why don't you stand with me today? I want to pray with all of you. We trust that today's message has been an encouragement to you. If you have any questions or would like more information about Family Life Church, visit us on the web at www.yourfamilylife.org.